welcome to the WCAPS 5 podcast series. WCAPS is an online community dedicated to strengthening the leadership and professional development of women of color, specializing in the fields of peace, security, conflict transformation, and foreign policy. Join us as we unpack their valuable perspectives, learn from their strategies, and grow together. Vive. Vision. Impact. Voice. Engagement. Okay, so Neda Shaheen, our fellow, will be taking over. I'll say it again. Is going to take over now and introduce the different working groups. One thing I did want to make sure that's in the recording um, is that the working groups are open to anyone who is a member. If you're not a member of WCAPS, please go to the website and sign up. When you sign up to the working group, uh, when you sign up to the membership form, you have the option of joining working groups and chapters, of which we have five chapters. And next week on the 9th, we will have our chapter town hall, and you will hear from the leadership of those. So my name is Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins. I guess I should have said that. The founder and executive director of WCAP. So now, Netta, please take it over. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I'm not going to take too much time. I just want to get right into it. We have 13 working groups. Each of them will be speaking for about five minutes. And we're going to start with Sylvia Mishra from the Chemical, Biological, Radiological, and Nuclear Weapons Group. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, thank you, uh, Neda. Uh, first of all, I am uh, so uh, pleased to be part of this town hall meeting. Three years, especially, uh, really special because CBR and working group was one of the actually the first working groups that WCAPS had. Uh, so it has been uh, quite a journey, and I have learned so much, and it has been uh, such a gratifying and rewarding experience. So I want to uh, talk very briefly about our working group and the things, some of the things that we have done. As you can say, our CBRN is quite a mouthful, but we uh, stand for the chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear working group. Essentially, it is about bolstering the voices of women of color who are working on WMD issues. Uh, this is a field uh, which has been traditionally dominated by white old male and because this is an issue that really affects every and each one of us that's why we thought that it was extremely important to strengthen the equities of women of color uh, who are working on these issues so the at the crux and heart of our working groups aim mandate and motto is to bolster strengthen spotlight the voices of women and especially amplify their work who are working on WMD issues. We have been extremely democratic in our working group, uh, starting right from starting of naming our uh, working group. And I must say that I'm really missing my co-chair, the amazing Warda Amir, who a lot of you uh, know over here. So uh, even for the naming of our working group, we uh, took our polls and right now our working group uh, stands at a 80 plus uh, membership. And just to give you a brief uh, glimpse of some of the work that we have done uh, this year, we uh, started uh, and flagged off this year uh, with a WMD intergenerational conversation in January. In between um, around uh, May, um, Warda had uh, conducted a webinar which essentially highlighted what uh, WCAPS members can do uh, in uh, to uh, apply for the NNSA Graduate Fellowship. And recently, and in September, we are launching our, our first uh, publication, uh, doing some hand-holding with another WCAPS working group, which is uh, the GSL, uh, the Global Health Security Working Group, uh, coming up with a paper. We have a compendium of 17 very rich publications on everything on CBRN issue and uh, please uh, stay tuned for all of that. I'm happy if anyone of you want to reach out, collaborate, and thank you so much for your time and this opportunity to interact with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sylvia. Next, we're gonna go to Ayan Islam from Cybersecurity and Emerging Technology. Thanks, Neda. Hi, everyone. I'm the uh, chair for the Cybersecurity and Emerging Technologies Working Group. My co-chairs and uh, other colleagues for of the other small groups couldn't attend today, but uh, just to give you a quick overview, Camille Stewart is our vice chair, 
and Sayaka Quinlan is chair for our artificial intelligence small working group, and Sean Shank is chair for our election security small working group. Granted, um, even though we're chairs, we split the work all evenly and, and um, democratically as Sylvia shared in, distri- in distribution-wise, uh, we work very closely with our working group members to essentially leverage and push the mission of WCAPS forward, which is to essentially help amplify and profile women of color that are in the field of national security, in particular in the areas of cybersecurity and emerging technologies. Uh, We find that there are a lot of us out there and it's a great opportunity for our group to help uh, work together, share ideas, and most importantly, support amplify each other's work wherever possible. We host webinars and trainings as much as we can. Uh, Our last uh, webinar session was discussing and looking at the implications of COVID and how it impacted not only upcoming election security, but as well as what are some things that we should be paying attention to closely when it comes to social media disinformation and misinformation campaigns, just because there's a lot of um, interconnected linkages. We're planning on having a follow-up to that webinar, hopefully late to late September to early October, and also following up with uh, a hands-on seminar where we will provide our uh, members as well as WCAPS memberships and opening it up to the public to learn about leveraging open source artificial intelligence and machine learning tools and capabilities to help with sifting through large data sources and how you can take that open source technology to leverage it for either your own hobby for to amplify your resume and skill set most And most importantly, if there's a current project that you're working at in your current position and you feel that it will be helpful, uh, those are the types of things that we look to help amplify. And we look not only to our members to help us with amplifying that knowledge and resource, but also we're currently um, engaged in conversations with our sister and brother organizations that are in the field of uh, cybersecurity and emerging technologies to see like where can we both collaborate, coordinate, and, and most importantly, look to opportunities that we can better support both of our groups and um, help raise a, visi- raise a visibility. Because um, some, sometimes there are chances like where there's a training that's occurring elsewhere that actually may be more beneficial, um, you know, to have that expertise come over to our group and and to share. So those are a couple of ideas. You know, we also work very closely with WCAP's leadership, um, with other working groups when it comes to developing policy papers or contributing to policy papers um, and also supporting ideas that come out of um, also our chapter groups. For example, we're also currently working with our West Coast chapter on their Tech Tuesday series um, and you know, giving them ideas as well as uh, working very closely on sharing um, resources or contacts that we have. So we're a community where if you have ideas um, and you're interested in getting the support to just get it out there, gain visibility share or you know, get that nudge, uh, feel free to join our group. We have a wide swath of expertise from experts all the way to students or those that are interested in transitioning into the field of technology and would like to learn more. So if you have any questions, you can always reach out to myself or WCAPS and uh, happy to help further amplify and work with you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ayan. Next, we have the Climate Change Working Group with Rudra Kapila. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. and delighted that you can all join us here co-chair for the Climate Change Working Group and I'm based in Washington DC and my other co-chair who unfortunately can't be here this afternoon because she works at the Ministry of Energy and Mines in Canada. So she's based in Toronto so we truly have um, a North American, pan-North American working group and it's also our backgrounds are quite complementary and quite essentially exemplify what climate change is like. It's a very broad subject. It feeds into multiple areas, whether it's global health, international development. And so I come from a very kind of techie STEM background. My background's in environmental engineering and geosciences. And my focus is always, um, my research focus and background has been on clean energy technologies. 
And Katie, my co-chair, is she specializes in sustainability policies and she's actually from Dominica. So she recently just got a very excellent blog piece on what it's like having a natural, like extreme weather events uh, during the time of COVID. So dealing with hurricanes, Caribbean in a time of COVID. So we really cover quite a broad range. Um, currently, this pandemic had not hit, we would be doing some very cool trips and excursions because I'm the field scientist and I really like being outdoors. But um, we're a bit tethered to behind our computer screens at the moment. So what we do is we produce a, a monthly newsletter the content normally tends to be really how to keep everyone sane during the, this time. So, you know, very interesting things, cross-cutting themes of climate change that we're reading, listening to, and, and a lot of the digital content that um, our team at WCAPS is devouring. But the theme of our group, really, to bring it into the focus of women, is the equity and justice side of climate change. So I mentioned extreme weather events. But it's really women and, and girls of color in the global south in particular who are rural or who are indigenous. They carry the burden of dealing with climate change, whereas they don't really, they have not contributed to climate change. So what I really like about our group, we really welcome people from all kinds of backgrounds. It doesn't necessarily have to be climate science. You could have a very kind of policy development focus, but if they want to uh, contribute pieces, we're looking to form not only in terms of blog pieces, but we're looking to form uh, these sub-working groups, which we hope will cross-foster ideas with other WCAPS working groups. For example, looking at climate change in public health, climate change in international development, and also climate change post-COVID, because believe it or not, this time will end. I know it doesn't seem that way at the moment, but when it does, how does the planet fare during that time? And it will be really interesting to brainstorm ideas. For example, there's an increased rise in plastics pollution because of all the materials needed for uh, fighting COVID. So definitely we have some exciting things planned in terms of really bringing in this diverse group. Of, um, our membership is quite strong. And they come from all walks of life. So some are from climate security backgrounds. Some are just starting recent graduates who want to learn a bit more about the subject. So that's what's really nice about our group is that we've definitely got all sorts of backgrounds working together. And going forward in terms of cross-disciplinary, that's a very academic term, I know. But um, we're hoping that going forward, there will be more kind of interaction with other working groups and coming up with some really fantastic ideas for climate change solutions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rudra. And next we have global health, which um, Bonnie, I believe you're gonna cover for us today. Our global health co-chairs are both uh, actively in the COVID response right now, so. Yeah, actually I think we have somebody else who's gonna be briefing. If not, um, I will say a few words. So the Global Health uh, Working Group is, as Netta said, very much involved in global health issues. There is a lot of work that's being done in, in collaboration with other, uh, other ongoing work. For example, there's a group called Women in Global Health, where the Global Health Working Group uh, worked with them on identifying women of color um, in the field, it's called, I think it's called 5050, and it really, and you can go to the website and see it, and there, and, and that's really an, an opportunity to get a list of women who are working in the field. There's been a number of publications, uh, because actually, because of the COVID-19 situation, wanted to highlight women in WCABs who are working on the COVID issue. So if you go to that, there's a special uh, page on the website of COVID-19, and if you open it up, you will see some of the women who are working on that issue. You will also see a number of publications that have been written for WCAPS specifically on the issue of COVID-19. And they, we are also working with 
other entities. Uh, there's something called the Global Health Security Agenda, which is something that I worked on when I was in government that act that is looking at um, how to prevent, detect, and respond to infectious disease threats. And it has about 70 countries who work on that together. And it's been work, it's been around since 2014. So before actually Ebola hit, it was in existence. And we have there is a consortium uh, of individual of individual organizations, NGOs, think tanks, um, and others outside government who meet on a regular basis and feed directly into the government work related to the agenda. So the working group has a seat on that um, on that consortium. And so it meets every other week and it um, is actually very much engaged in the government work in the 70 other countries, including the US who was involved in this agenda. So it is very stretched. So it's not surprising that they're not here because they're actively involved in COVID in their regular work. And they're engaged in this other work with the global security agenda. And they're working with other, increasingly working with some of the other working groups, as you've heard, it will remain a pretty active working group because of the because of what's happening and also because of the impact of COVID on people of color so and of course women of color so we're actually having a, a paper commissioned on COVID-19 and its effective women of color which should be coming out pretty soon it's a WCAPS commission paper so you'll be seeing that so needless to say very briefly it's, it's pretty uh, active and engaged mainly because of the nature of the work they're doing so I think I can leave it at that. Thank you Bonnie and next we have Alyssa Trafficking with Cara Hernandez. Hi everybody uh, thank you all for coming here so I'm gonna use a little bit of my time to also request some collaboration and some help as well because we have some interesting things that people have been wanting to work on. I would like to say, I know some of the topics I, I'm gonna be covering might pull or trigger past lived experiences. So I'm not trying to use graphic languages, but the, some of the topics are gonna to be graphic. So I just wanna please let everyone know that before kind of going on. I think with illicit trafficking, it's extremely difficult right now because obviously the field is very wide. We cover human trafficking, to natural and wildlife trafficking, as well as drug and arms. Um, so it's quite a lot going on with, I think with governments limiting mobility and transportation to counteract the spread of COVID, we've seen a lot of disruption from legal markets as well as illegal markets who are trying to take advantage of corrupt state actors and non-state actors to move products and humans across borders. So right now, a lot of these issues are taking on a new face as, um, drug traffickers, armed traffickers, human traffickers are now trying to reassess their routes that are going to be changing. And a lot for, and to kind of move to human trafficking, um, sex trafficking and child exploitation is shifting towards like more of a virtual exploitation, which is seeing a significant amount of, of, of victims now being trapped inside, often in unknown locations. And so we've actually uh, teamed up with Fair Girls. It's a DC nonprofit who provides direct services. They also help um, young women and children have access to justice and push for more equitable policies. They're going to do a four-part training with WCAPS. I'm very excited about it. Right now, it's uh, really geared towards next generation leaders, roughly the age of 16 to 21, but also for early to mid-career folks who are really wanting to know a little bit more about human trafficking domestically, trauma-informed care, warning signs, and just like what is a healthy relationship because a lot of time human trafficking is done through, it's not kidnapping and like taking people away all the time. And it's also just like people you know, um, which is a horrible thing. And so we're going to be working with them in September. So if you haven't signed up and you're really interested in human trafficking, you can sign up for all four. If you take all four, you will get a certification of completion from Fair Girls. But you can also just take one or two if you're interested in one of the topics. And I can share that around as well if you haven't seen it. With forced labor, I think right now a lot of companies are really trying to reimagine their business model, uh, business plans and supply chains. We've seen a lot of organizing with survivors to sue corporations who have been benefiting on labor exploitation. And we would love to connect with labor experts who we can collaborate more on that sub subject. We also work a little bit on drug trafficking. That's my personal background. I had a really great podcast with 
Professor Donna Patterson from Delaware State University. She's also the chair of the history department where she directs the Africa Studies program. So we had a really fascinating conversation about pharmaceutical trafficking, holistic healthcare in West Africa, and linkages with pandemics because she had worked on Ebola in the past. Really fascinating stuff that should be out very soon. I know it's already been edited, so that will be out as well. Um, I think it's really interesting the way she approaches things because she approaches these policies with a lot of interest on more of like a culture, policy, historic background that I think really gives a great nuance to talking about and working cross-regionally with people. I think it's really important. We've also, I do a lot of work in Latin America personally in my nine to five. So I've also been doing a lot of work with cocoa farmers and what it means um, with drug, drug trade now. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, it's such a huge place and that, you know, you see that a lot of people are now shifting to using um, sea routes and, and transportation that way. Um, I had a great conversation with Kiran Araya. Uh, she does the Africa program at Environmental Investigation Agency focused on timber. And she really was able to talk about a really great nuance of the connection between environmental crimes, organized crimes, human trafficking, and really how maritime surveillance is really building that in. So as you really see, a lot of these issues that we're talking in WCATS really connect to each other. They're, it's so fascinating. I think it's really important that because we have such a diverse membership and diverse folks working on these issues, we can look at things in a holistic approach that talks about the humanitarian issues of, you know, cyber, <laughs> cyber economic warfare or something. And I think those types of things really do connect. And we'd love to have more people participate with this is trafficking. We have a lot of webinars coming up. We're really trying to face now engaging people from the region who are working on the ground and overcoming barriers, with whether that be language or just ask, access to Wi-Fi, um, is something I think is really important. And so it's one of the, the tools that we do in illicit trafficking is trying to build those connections, um, especially now that WCAPS has gone global. You know, I've worked with some folks in the WCAPS Ghana group. And so I think it's really interesting and one of the best networks of women, some of the most fascinating conversations I've had have been because of WCAP. So I think I'm a little over time, but if you'd like to join the Illicit Trafficking Working Group, I'm more than open to ideas and collaborating with folks. I think it's really important to talk about these topics. Kara, you're amazing. Thank you so much for everything you do. Uh, next, we're going to go to Redefining National Security with Bonnie Jenkins. Hi, I was just responding to the text about the podcast. There are, if you go to the, just side, side comment, if you go to the website now, you can actually see we have a lot of podcasts on there, but we're going to be also uploading more when we have our, our official launch of our website. So we have a lot of podcasts, um, and I know we haven't been promoting those as well as we should have been. So you should see, you, should, you can check those out now. We will have more that we're going to be uploading and showcasing on the 21st. And a number of them that, that Kara was talking about will be there as well. So the Redefining National Security Working Group is, for me, a fundamental aspect of the work we do at WCAS because we're looking at how we define security and whether security is really defined in a way that captures all Americans and it really reflects the diversity of people who make up America. Um, and this could be the true outside America as well, whether, um, you know, the, the definitions of security, of national security, has ever really captured the diversity of perspectives and whether security today really is, is securing everybody and whether, you know, security has been defined by those who are in power, those who are the privileged, and their perception of security is very different from the perception of people of color and women and women of color. And so we know that national security funding follows things like the national security strategy. And if the national security strategy is not, is not developed by diverse people, it will explain why much of the funding that we have go into things that really do not protect all Americans and are much more reflective of, as I said, what people who are defining that security feel is a problem. And this is reflected not just in our global issues or foreign policy, but also domestically. And when you look at issues of 
everyday Americans, everyday black people who are concerned about their security and who they can call for security, like the police, and you know what people of color have to deal with. The definition should be broader. And it also should be broader, not only because of the lack of people who are there of diverse views, but because of how we define it overall. So in this administration, for example, you see that climate change is not really one that is defined even in the national security strategy. It was, it was purposely taken out. And therefore, funding follows the national security strategy. And, there's no, and so funding and focus will not be on a lot of issues that affect us as women and women of color. So this working group explores that a little bit more. It, it, the discussions are going to be focused a lot more on that. And so that's the basic view of how that's going to be working for the working group. We have established two sub-working groups for this working group. One is on intersectionality of national security. And I think that's going to be talking a little bit more about how national security intersects with so many other issues, particularly those you're hearing about now. There's a climate change aspect, there's a human trafficking aspect, there's certainly a global health aspect. We're seeing that right now with COVID-19. Um, and so all of these issues we're talking about, international development, um, obviously defense and intelligence is a natural one. The way we look at regional issues, you know, so, and then the second sub-working sub group is military use and domestic international security, domestic slash international security. This is gonna be looking at use of force, um, you know, use of force for um, both domestically and internationally. We'll probably have one more working group that's gonna be focusing just on the definition itself. So those are what we're working on. Um, anyone wants to do more of that, just sign up for that working group. And one thing I should, I should also mention is, um, you know, if you, if you already filled out your form and you already checked your working groups and you find out, wow, I didn't check that working group. This is something else I'd like to be interested in. We will share the Google Doc again that allows people to sign up for different working groups as well. So I just just as an update. So I think that's all I have. Thanks, Netta. Thank you so much, Bunny. You do so much, and I'm so amazed that you're even taking this on on top. So thank you for all that you do. Um, next, we have the Global Advocacy and Diplomacy Group, which is led by Maritza Donis. Hi, Netta. Thank you so much, and hi everyone. Thank you as well for taking your time today to join us. Um, thank you, Ambassador Bonnie, again, as I always tell you every single day for your vision to allow us to even have the safe space in order to amplify global advocacy and diplomacy. As Netta mentioned, I am Maritza Donis. I serve as the chair of the Global Advocacy and Diplomacy Working Group. This idea of this working group actually came about in 2015 when I was serving as a summer arbitration associate in Lithuania, where my partner had me working on projects in addition to what I was doing with international arbitration, but they thought that I'll be a useful tool in some of their in-house cases where my job was to be present. And so that was my first time seeing that how my position as an American had an impact, not only on the cases that we were hearing in that country, but it also became this national phenomenon as well. And so at that point, when I came back home, decided that I needed to be more intentional about engaging diplomacy and finding my space in that sphere. And so what I did in fall 2016 when I started MTA Vision's Global CSR and Government Relations is kicked off an inclusive global advocacy and diplomacy initiative, which housed various different programs. We Poly was helping women engage in politics and diplomacy, helping youth engage in policy and diplomacy. But then that wasn't enough. Uh, I was doing that work in practice, but I still didn't find that home or safe space where I could not only one, learn more about the, the sphere, but also to be around like-minded individuals. So about a year ago, I had an opportunity to meet Ambassador Bonnie and learn about WCAP. Um, and as you guys know, Ambassador Bonnie is an amazing visionary. And so when I shared with her my idea, she said, of course, run with it, send me a proposal. And gracefully, she accepted our proposal in February. And so that's what started COVID Advocacy and Diplomacy. I also want to actually thank some of the, the brainstorm behind Global Advocacy Diplomacy, Ashley and Daniela, um, before our inception, just kind of going through weeks on figuring out how could we make this um, and find it at home under WCAP. But for GAD, currently our officers, um, one of them is actually on the line, our Director of Programming and External Affairs, Ms. Christina, our Director of Diplomacy, Ms. Muriel, and our Communications Coordinator, Sylvia Leon. So our mission, the Three key things that I want you to take away from that is our mission is essentially to elevate 
integrate and advocate. Elevate women of color to serve as influencers and change agents, integrating diversity in every public and organization, leadership thought in action, advocating for transformational policies and programs at all levels of government. And so we decided that we would do this in a couple of different ways to support recap's vision. And so we decided that we wanted to do this through advocacy, so not only submitting firm statements on particular issues that might be occurring locally and globally, but we also wanted to position our GAD members to be those influential women in national security that can make those statements or be in those respective positions to do so. Organizational support, supporting some of the initiatives that Cats already has ongoing as pertains to helping our affiliates be intentional about promoting diversity and inclusion in the workplace, mentorships, which is something that we hope to kick off in the spring of 2021, um, where that will combine some of our existing members through the greater WCAP leadership to help entry-level, mid-career, and senior-level members of our committee to have an opportunity to exchange information and provide support. Roundtable discussions, we actually held one of those earlier this year on focusing on the topic of George Floyd, but specifically looking at the response, the diplomatic response and the advocacy possibilities. And so we did a, uh, an overview of the different presidents and ambassadors that responded to what occurred um, a couple months ago. And then we looked at what were the actual tangible avenues that the U.S. government, Congress specifically, could actually take in responding to policing. Speaker series, we actually had one of those a couple months ago as well, where we brought on um, a member who shared with us some of the advocacy positions and needs of Peace Corps evacuees. Publications, that's one of our goals for the spring of 2021, is to integrate uh, all the thought leaders that we have within our respective working group to contribute to the many opportunities that WCAP affords us to publish. Conferences, our goal was to host an annual conference on women of color and global advocacy and diplomacy to provide information, training, and networking opportunities. We actually revised that a little bit and said that we would rather have probably a biannual um, mini summit, which we're actually hosting our first mini summit um, in appreciation and excitement for WCAP anniversary on September 29th at 5.30 p.m. Uh, we decided that each summit would focus on a region of the world as pertains to global advocacy and diplomacy. And for our first one, we selected Latin America and the Caribbean, where we'll give two ambassadors from both regions an opportunity to provide a, a coffee chat about some of the initiatives that they're currently working on in their respective regions, followed by highlights of SEG work, sustainable development goals in the respective region. And in closing that meeting summit, we're hearing from some of the advocates in their respective regions as well, in terms of the work that they're doing as it pertains to advocacy. Uh, hopefully, our, you will be interested and excited to join the Global Advocacy and Diplomacy Working Group. Our, as you can tell, we've been doing a lot of programming, so our core focus for this quarter is to work on our membership. We have over 200 interested members, and so we want to be intentional the next quarter about finding ways to engage you. Um, and so expect lots of surveys, lots of informal activities and outreach. Um, we've done a couple of informal things through a WhatsApp group and a thought chat um, that we initiated just to give us a, an, an informal setting where we can just talk about current events and issues, or if there's a particular hearing that's happening on Capitol Hill, we could just kind of log into this platform and kind of chat through it since we are in this virtual setting. Um, and then our second mission is to streamline WCAP. As you guys can tell, WCAP is amazing and there's so many opportunities to engage. And so our goal is to bridge partnerships with our chapters, our new working groups, so to all my fellow working group coaches, expect lots of emails from the GAD working group um, as it relates to partnerships and new opportunities. And to all of you, thanks again for joining us today. And happy anniversary, three cheers to WCAP. I'm Maritza Donis, the GAD working group chair. Thank you, Maritza. And next we have the Latin America and Caribbean region, as well as entrepreneurship, which are led by the same woman, but Bonnie is going to cover both of those. Actually, Kara's gonna Kara's gonna do Latin America. She was uh, part of the initial thinking for that, and then I'll do the entrepreneurial. Oh, my mistake. I'm sorry, Kara. No, that was a that was a, a new a, a recent change. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, it's me again. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I was a part of the original um, building and creation of the Latin America and Caribbean working group. We really wanted to focus on inclusion of the Caribbean since a lot of folks kind of just like tack them on. And I think it's really important to have that. Um, But we also want to make sure that we have Caribbean voices present in the regional groups. Um, As you know, uh, some of the challenges that the Latin American working group is facing is not only language barriers, but also defining what is a woman of color in a different and outside of the U.S. Um, And so that's one of the main pillars that um, the working group is going to be working on is how to really define and translate these ideas while also listening to partners on the ground, listening to folks who are interested in that. So not only saying work women of color or indigenous um, indigenous folks or Afro Latinas or some other type of mix, because as you know, Latin America is very racially diverse, um, but really looking at racial and ethnic um, hierarchies and relationships in the region and how they play out and really calling on a more of a South-South development into how we think of Latin America. I think that is one of the major pillars. Right now, we have a couple of folks persons based in Colombia. Everybody else is based um, in the U.S. However, one woman is from uh, Mexico, one woman is from Cuba, and they do a lot of work on that respectively, coming from a human rights angle, coming from a security angle, coming building good governance and different type of models. So within Latin America, it's going to be interesting that we'll be actually having to partner a lot of the times with other working groups because you can have global health in Latin America. You can have illicit trafficking in Latin America. And so a lot of this time, Latin America will be going and working with other groups to to work on programming or to um, find people in the region and really build up and cultivate a voice of people who are smart and educated and willing to be on your panels, which is also something we want to promote, is also how to bring voices and give a platform for people in the region um, that are diverse and maybe not just you know, the same people that you see over and over. <laughs> As people who know who work in very specific regions, you, you can kind of tell that you see the same folks. Another thing that we've been doing a lot is trying to, uh, I know one of our chairs has actually worked with Marissa to do a language um, exchange. They have these really interesting language um, programs, but um, I think they're really right now is looking ways to work with folks in their region. So if you have people that you work with in Latin America and you have really brilliant people that can speak English, they can speak Spanish. I believe some women also speak Portuguese and maybe another language, French. So if they speak any of those languages and you think they do a brilliant work, please reach out. We would love to work with them, love to connect with them, love to uplift their voice and really start working on it um, more. So those are the kind of the challenges that we're facing is language, accessibility, access, but also Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity right now. Um, I work with a lot of partners in Latin America, specifically on human rights, and we've been able to be really successful, but I think building that platform. So the topic is something that we talk about more. And when we talk about foreign policy, I think is a really big challenge. And I think the less, the more we can do to talk about Latin America and the issues in Latin America, especially with the rise of authoritarian leaders, with the rise of COVID and infection, with, you know, a lot of um, inter- non-state actors coming in and organized crime coming in. Um, I think it's going to be a very challenging region. So hopefully getting that on the docket so people are not just tacking it on <laughs> at the end, whether that be the Biden campaign or other people who are talking about appropriate uh, appropriations and funding for the region, I think is one of the major challenges and opportunities for the Latin American Working Group. Thank you so much, Kara. And I will toss it over to you, Bonnie. Yes, very briefly, the Entrepreneur Leadership Working Group is really pretty much the way it sounds. Um, It's really an opportunity to focus on the need to increase um, women of color um, in entrepreneurial work. And so the two leaders, Karen Isabel Guerra and Eliana Valle, are our two uh, chairs for that. They have obviously experience in doing a lot of this work. And some of the things that they want to do the, you know, if you look at, if you go to the website and you look at it, you know, it really wants to do things like create, creating innovative, effective, and sustainable change for business, nonprofits, and social entrepreneurship, provide educational information and resources available for launching, growing, and scaling businesses, um, transforming business and public policy by advocating on behalf of women of color, entrepreneurs, to high-level government officials and business 
executives. And just to read the purpose, even though I just kind of said it just to be more specific, is to dedicate, is dedicated to promoting women of color entrepreneurs and facilitating adequate access to capital, education, and professional networks to build and scale successful businesses. So if anyone is interested in doing that kind of work, particularly focusing on the unique challenges and opportunities uh, that women of color have and bring to this, um, I would certainly encourage you to sign up for the Entrepreneurial Leadership Working Group. Thanks. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And next we have our Defense and Intelligence Working Group, which is one of our new ones with Carolyn Washington. Hi, thank you. Basically, the focus or purpose of our group is on the participation, inclusion, and elevation of women of color within the Department of Defense, DOD, and the international, excuse me, intelligence communities. Uh, part of our mission is prepare and uh, position women of color to lead uh, defense and intelligence efforts through mentorship programming and publications to also provide a forum where women of color can discuss topics related to defense and intelligence and to also inform stakeholders and the public on defense and intelligence issues. As far as our goals, we want to reach out to local communities such as schools and other organizations to inform them about defense and intelligence initiatives. One of the things that we're doing now is that in the fall, we're going to uh, partner with the International Spy Museum on a Girl Scouts Day, and we have a couple of our folks who are going to participate in that. A second goal is to seek internships and fellowships for WCAP members, specifically within our working group, and also to engage in issues of United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace, and Security, especially as it relates to the needs of women of color. And recently this summer, the Department of Defense released their strategy for the implementation and integration of 1325 within their military operations and plans. Another goal is to engage with senior women of color who are working in defense and security, defense and intelligence, excuse me, to serve as role models for our women. And lastly, we want to participate in podcasts and webinars with military and intelligence officials. So to accomplish our mission, we have several uh, working groups we put into place. Uh, one is outreach. The second is fellowships and internships. The third is UN Security Council Resolution 1325. And the fourth subgroup is going to be programs and events. Our meetings are usually held on the third Wednesdays of each month from six to seven. We've just had our second meeting, so we're fairly new, and we'd love to have you join us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carolyn. And next, I'm going to toss it to Christina Biad for the, our the Southwest North African region. Thank you, Netta. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina. I am the co-chair of the Southwest Asia and North Africa working group with my fellow co-chair, Netta. And we are very new, and we actually will be officially launching at the end of the month, I believe. So definitely look out for that, and we'd love to get people involved. So Southwest Asia and North Africa is also very well known as the Middle East and North Africa, or MENA. We chose, you know, after a lot of deliberation to go with the SWANA acronym in order to, you know, strengthen, in order to kind of recognize that this is, that the MENA acronym can be controversial in some spaces and reflects this post-colonial mapping. So um, we've decided to move forward with SWANA and we completely understand that you'll use MENA when talking. I, I do it too. It happens a lot, but just kind of want to make sure everyone uh, knows what the group is about. But, but basically we're just trying to build a community of care about the region, work on uh, SWANA-related Jews and we want to strengthen the ties between women in the U.S. and in diaspora groups um, with women in the region while also empowering uh, the women working and living in the region. So one of the things, like Kara was saying, the Latin America group is focused on is we're thinking about how we translate uh, women of color, this idea of women of color, um, to women in, in the in the Swana region. Um, there's a lot of colorism and these post-colonial attitudes that um, cause a lot of women in the region not to identify as women of color. Um, so, you know, we think that the Arab American experience is very different than um, the experience of women living in the region. And we want to find a way to kind of still build a community between those two groups and, and work with each other. Um, so a lot of our goals are 
decolonizing and understanding the Swana region, fostering discussions around the policies impacting women and other minorities in the Swana region, um, highlighting the impacts that U.S. foreign policy has on women in the region, and also creating awareness around cultural misconceptions um, and points of vilification or Islamophobia. Um, and also encouraging the diaspora groups in the U.S. Uh, to be politically engaged and to be involved in this space um, and amplify their voices uh, in policy decisions. So um, that's just a few of our goals. We hope to do that through um, panel events, roundtable discussions. Hopefully we'll have some publications. We'd love to, uh, you know, also just do some networking events. I think when Netta and I were putting this together, we just kept talking about community building, building community, bringing people together. And that's really, really what we want to do. Um, so it would be great to get everyone involved, um, whether you are um, a part of the diaspora or not, someone who's worked in the region or not. Um, if you're interested, we really just want to hear from you and get you involved. Um, we also uh, would love some people who feel comfortable translating languages of the region. I know that's something we're really uh, hoping to do, so I'll give a shout out for that. Uh, but please send us a note if you'd like to, to be involved, and we're really excited to get this working group started. Thank you so much, Christina. I'm so excited to get this started. And the next one is with Gabrielle Gay, the International Development Group. Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm going to share about the International Development Working Group. Uh, we're very new, so we've only met twice to kind of um, discuss and share ideas on what we want our vision, mission, and purpose to be, as well as some goals and activities. So let me share what we've come up with. Our vision is to promote change in the international development sector by helping to ensure that the field is more reflective of diverse voices and policy development and the implementation and practice of the work that's actually happening on the ground. And then as well as in the structures and people um, that build effective, accountable and in inclusive institutions. So that's our vision, our long-term kind of outlook. And then our mission is to convene a coalition of WCAPS members seeking to influence equitable changes in the development sector while utilizing the collectiveness and support of industry members. So we see international development as a sector of a larger industry that includes foreign affairs and um, other foreign aid work. Um, I will say a lot of this, a lot of the development of our, our mission and vision came through discussions that we had, you know, obviously after the George Floyd incident and, you know, things are really hitting the fan. We're starting to really analyze and look at our structures and say, hey, this isn't equitable or this isn't, this isn't fair, this isn't right. Or this carries on some pretty ugly legacies that a lot of people don't really discuss that often. So um, international development sector is definitely um, under scrutiny like any other structure. And we want to be part of that conversation and, and help shift that change. Also, just to share some of our goals and activities, some of our activities are just as simple as using our voices. We want to be advocates within our respective development organizations and within WCAPs. Now, I will also say, just like the other groups, you don't have to be an international development practitioner to be a part of this group. But this is just, you know, one of our specific goals for those who are, you know, in that area of work. Um, we also want to do podcasts, very popular WCAPS activity. Thought it would be very interesting to do like talks with women of color just working in the sector, just talk about their experiences overall, panel discussions, participate in them or also kind of um, host them on our own, do trainings together and other professional development activities related to, you know, some of the stuff that we want to do. We were going to have a reading club and then also integrate with the WCAPS mentorship program, which I'll talk about in one second. Some of our goals are to explore the impact of the legal, social, and political legacies of colonialism in international development and form solutions that will contribute to fair and equitable systems. Um, another is to work with partner organizations and in international development, particularly those with a focus on diverse voices, and then also to promote the goals of our working group. We wanna create a unified voice across the international development sector by leveraging our network of professionals within WCAPS. And then we also want to seek ways to promote and best position the international development sector as a whole in achieving 
the 17 sustainable development goals. Um, and I think very connected. So that's great. Um, and then also, we just want to also strengthen our own pipeline of diverse international development professionals. And to go back to the mentorship program, that is a program that is open for everybody in the entire WCAPS organization. When you fill out that membership form, you'll probably see something on there asking if you want to be a mentee or a mentor or be a part of the program. And from there, we match folks based on their interests, whether it be professional or whatever they share with us on that form. And uh, we engage folks once a month. Well, right now it's kind of like the off season, so to speak. So we're engaging people once a month and just having, you know, fun discussions about, well, last time, for example, we talked about current events, you know, what's happening, what's the buzz in your, you know, professional circles and all of that kind of jazz. So it, it was fun and, you know, encourage them to do professional development activities together, the matches, and then also at the end of the program, which last time it spanned for six months. Yeah, I got that right. We had them do an op-ed and or a video um, exp- like on any topic of their choice and explaining why women of color, like the voices of women of color are necessary in either overcoming that challenge or why it's just important to have in general. So yeah, I think I covered everything, hopefully. Oh, we're doing a new round. If anybody's interested in in the mentorship program, now is the time to jump on it because um, we are, tomorrow is the deadline for folks who are already a part of the mentorship program to kind of request new matches or take on an additional mentee or whatever it may be. Tomorrow's the deadline for getting those requests in. So we are about to um, send out a whole bunch of new matches. So I'll leave it at that. Thanks. Thank you so much for everything you do, Gabby. And last but not least, we do have another new working group, which is coming. It hasn't started yet, but it's the human rights group. I'm going to let Bonnie talk for a few minutes about this, and then we can answer a few questions. Yeah, thanks, Gabby. I hope you don't mind that I asked you at the last minute, like, like in the chat, to talk about the mentorship program, because... It's becoming one of our um, flagship programs because a lot of organizations are actually reaching out to us to join our, to be part of our mentorship program. So thanks, Gabby, for all the hard work you do on that, in addition to everything else. So very briefly, the Human Rights Group has, I think there was a smaller group that met, so the whole group hasn't actually met yet, but based on some of the discussions with the smaller group, um, we've already outlined some of the things that they would like to do. We're going to be getting a chair because I certainly won't have time to do to chair this group, despite my interest in the topic. So um, anyone interested in chairing that, we already have one person, but we'd like to have at least two co-chairs for each working group. Some of the things that was discussed is just how large this field is. So it may turn out that we may separate some of the topics into a separate working group, just because there's so many things under human rights. It covers things like immigrant Im- immigration, asylum and refugee issues, mass atrocity, uh, women, peace and security, conflict zones, transitional justice, indigenous human rights. So there, so based on that, we it, it, it's a group right now, but it may end up sep- uh, splitting into two separate groups with two separate titles. Some of the vision is to seek to elevate, to seek to elevate the voices of women of color and human rights, ensure women of color have a voice in the right space. Human rights is a pillar of US security and foreign policy issues. We need to focus on that. Ensuring that women of color can promote the needs of communities of color in the US and abroad and elevating voices of those on the ground. Some of the events um, are obviously webinars, podcasts, publications, advocacy days, sponsoring fellowships for grassroots members of civil society, a film festival, um, bringing in the voices of those most impacted, which I think is very fundamental both for this as well as uh, international development are the folks on the ground who don't get heard very often, um, engaging the UN, engaging the Human Rights Commission on issues, a lot of collaboration ideas with development, as I mentioned, reproductive justice and global health, um, peacekeeping, which is a, a group that is slated to be started. And we there's already an event that we're working on with the Stanley Foundation on Peace and Security. They have an annual event. So we're going to be helping them with some of their issues on mass atrocities. So we have several WCAPS members we're already going to be working with them on that. And then, so that's going to be one of the subworking groups, mass atrocities, 
and naturally there'll be a couple others. So it's still early. If anyone's interested in that working group, anyone interested on in joining that work, um, leading the work, helping to lead that working group, or so, or think about some of the sub working groups, it's very early. So certainly let us know. And before, and I know it's late, but I just want to mention two other things. I'm gonna let Netta or Gabrielle talk about the young ambassadors in like two minutes. But we're also starting um, in line with our our work, our our mentorship program, the Pipeline Fellowship Program. We are starting a new program called Genzers. So that are those are the young folks. We've already started engaging some of them through our Pipeline Fellowship Program. So stay tuned for that. And of course, we also have our young ambassadors. Thank you, Bonnie. And I can talk about uh, the Young Ambassadors briefly. So the Young Ambassadors program, uh, I co-chair with Gabby. We have also over 200 members. We've done a fair number of work this year. We have a new leadership team, which you will all see on our new website that's coming out on September 21st. We had the first time publishers program this year. And so we did a series of writing workshops in which actually Kara was one of our teachers. Thank you, Kara. That's another one of the things she does. And so we had articles submitted from first-time publishers within the program. We now are doing an op-ed club in which we're doing every month highlighting an article from the WCAP's blog to discuss with other members. Our next one is going to be September 15th, and it's going to feature an article by Seema Gahalt, who is actually also in the CBRN group. So we're excited to bring that to the table. And then we're also going to be doing some upcoming events regarding COVID-19 and talking about COVID and mental health, especially as a lot of us transition back to school and transition back to college and into new places. So we'll be doing a sort of COVID in college type discussion series. So that's all I have. Gabby, is there anything you think I missed? I don't think so. I think you got it. So that's all we got on that. And I think, Bonnie, we can turn it over to any questions from the audience. I know we've been talking for a while, so um, that has been quite lively. But if there are any questions, that's great. But, you know, there's a lot. I, I just say there's just a lot going on, as you can tell. A lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Please join us either as, as, chair, as um, leadership in the leadership structure or if you have ideas for things that working groups can do. As I said, we're going to share the document again so folks can sign up for working groups they may not have signed up. And when we do that, we'll also share all the um, the WCAPs uh, emails so you can email all of the leaders uh, on anything that comes from today or those who are listening on uh, later uh, and on the recording. So um, I don't know if anyone has any questions following uh, all the presentations. Like I said, there's been great stuff in the chat. So anything that may not have been answered in the chat or anything that anyone has, I guess you could just raise your hand or jump in. Mastermind, I actually wanted to add something. Um, just got a note from one of our officers saying that I forgot about our August culture diplomacy. <laughs> Gad just came from a long month of putting on culture diplomacy events where we offered our WCAPS members an opportunity to get some exposure to language and culture. We covered Japanese, Arabic, Haitian, Creole, and French. And there's one more I'm missing, Christina. Spanish. Spanish. Oh, thanks, Kara. And we covered Spanish as well, too. We piloted this past August. It was extremely amazing. We had so many diverse um, participants that participated. Our culture was typically presented by an embassy official or an ambassador, and the language was usually presented by a language expert that's usually affiliated with the embassy or another organization. So I wanted to turn it over to you guys. If you guys have any ideas for future languages, we're really excited about um, bringing this back. Not every week like we did for August culture diplomacy, but probably every other month. And so if there's other languages that you would like to get some exposure to or cultures, just know I sign GAD working group email in the chat box. If, if I may, I'm going to make a recommendation, and this has not been, I have not uh, emailed this to the chairs, so <laughs> excuse me for doing this. I would really like it if our chairs for our, our international development, our defense and intel, and our advocate uh, and diplomacy organized an event, because those are the three Ds, and I think we can have a really good discussion on the three Ds and women of color. Um, so I'm just, um, I think it's an obvious one. <laughs> so since we do have those three working groups, I think it would be great to have an event 
uh, on those on those three. There's been a lot. Obviously, there's been a lot about diversity issues in uh, USAID and State Department. And Carolyn, you mentioned that DOD had their had um, had a report recently. So um, it would be a great idea. So I'm throwing it out there. And you know, uh, Bonnie, this is Carolyn Washington. It would particularly be interesting because uh, next month is the 20th anniversary of UN Security Council Resolution 1325, and the 3Ds have prominent uh, roles in the implementation of uh, 1325. So that's okay. not that's one opportunity. Great, and I and I say that because I know Gabrielle and Jamila are current chairs of the International Development. I know. Gabby is also looking for, and, and uh, Jamila looking for additional leadership in that group. So if anyone is interested in helping out, please um, let them know. Great. So if we have any questions, you can feel free to jump in. I know we have- Whitney has a question. Oh, jump in, Whitney. I'm so sorry. I'm still trying to figure out how to verify if I have membership, because all of these things sound amazing. <laughs> I just don't know <laughs> if I can partake. After this call, I will check. And if for some reason, can you send your email to wcaps at wcaps.org? Okay. Just to, just in case if you're not there, but we can we can easily check that afterwards. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Anyone else, if they fill out the form and they're not sure, because you will know, you will know that you remember because you will get the invite to the listserv. That's how we let people know. If you have not received that, we update that once a week. So if you filled it out like early this week, you probably haven't heard yet. But if you filled it out this week and you don't hear anything by Monday next week, then let us know. Send us an email. Okay, here's the WCAPS. Thank you all for being here. If you have any time today and you have and you have a Twitter account, please go on and just tweet. Three cheers for Debbie Caps and just highlight a cool quote or a woman of, of color who you think is really amazing. We want to highlight particularly women who are not uh, as well known. So if, if somebody who you think is, it could be your mom. <laughs> but uh, definitely do that. I'm going to get ready to do mine. Uh, we did our Debbie Caps one, but I'm going to do mine as well. So thanks, guys. If no other questions, I don't want to cut anyone off, but I don't want to keep you with you because it is busy. Thanks again, guys. And we take this so it'll be available for everyone. All right. Thank you. And thanks to all the chairs and co-chairs for all your amazing work. And Netta, thank you for your work as well. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. <laughs>